You're listening to the Joe Rogan Experience Review. What a bizarre thing we've created. Now with your hosts, Adam Thorne and Mark Hampton. This might either be the worst podcast or the best one of all time. Hello and welcome to another episode of the JRE Review. Uh, Finishing up the week with Brian Redband and Cameron Haynes. How you doing, Mark? I'm good, baby. How you doing? Not too bad. Not too bad at all. I love having uh, both these guys on. Just, I mean, it's always a pleasure to have Brian Redband back in since he really started the podcast with Joe. And Joe probably would have never made it without him. Right. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Brian's idea to even get going back in like 2008, 2009. No shit. So, yeah, we owe him a lot. We really do. (laughs) And I'm a big fan of the Kill Tony show, so... You are. Yeah, you're I love you, hearing what they're getting up to. You introduced me to Kill Tony, which we still need to do. It's by such the way. a good show. I know it's such a good show, and uh, and just the idea that you have to do one minute and then you get roasted. I mean, how unique is that? Phenomenal. Separates the men from the boys. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, baby. I love it. The he so Brian's been doing the keto diet, which I didn't know about. Um, I don't know how much weight he's lost from it he's still fairly big i think i saw him not that long ago at the comedy store he's not he's not like a skinny dude so sure i don't know uh, but he says he's kind of stopped doing it now so maybe he's put on some weight Uh. um and he struggled with it of course you did you ever try keto i know you did like low carb ish for a while right? yeah like a couple years ago i did paleo um which is i mean it's pretty much keto um i think keto and correct me if I'm wrong. I think keto is a little less emphasis on like organic, non-hormonal, non-hormones type uh, type of food. Like paleo is very much like clean living. Um, also, like no carb, like no starches, um, no sugars, n- none of that shit. Technically, keto is more of a physiological response than a fancy name. You're either in ketosis or you're not. Right, and uh, you can do it with um, kind of lower quality fats and processed food. Exactly. That's just never really that beneficial. It's not super healthy for you, obviously. Right. But you can get yourself into ketosis that way. Exactly. Paleo is, it doesn't have a physiological response. It's not like your body um, is waiting to overly adapt to that type of food. You're just giving it better quality right. f- food, mm-hmm. period. But a lot of keto people do eat a lot better. Yeah, um, I mean, absolutely. And that just, that kind of just happens because you are eating avocados and, you know, when you go to get butter, you get, you got to eat a lot of it. So yeah. it makes a lot more sense to get like grass fed and what is that stuff called? Kerrygold? I don't know. I just, I've always it's, said grass fed. I've like never the good actually butter. known the, uh, the uh, monitor. Yeah, part. so that it, it, it kind of goes hand in hand. <laughs> With those things. But yeah. He's not doing Sober October, though. He's not down for that. Um, Brian is just cannot be bothered. Sure. Um, Me either. Whereas, yeah, <laughs> where Joe is still in it, and I am also. And how many days? Oh, 11 days left. Oh, Come boy. On. You'll, be, uh, you'll be in Europe when it ends, right? 
Yeah, I'll be in Paris. Nice. We're, we'll be doing international across the seas podcasts. We'll see how well those go. I think they're going to be fine. I think they will. Might be a bit of a delay, but we'll edit that out somehow. Um, yeah, if not, I'll do the show with my cat or something. <laughs> do, yeah, just do it on your own. Yeah. Just, I'll just do voices. Just do my voice. Uh, yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> Hello there, governor. Hello, governor. Going to listen to Joe Rogan, are we? <laughs> sounds just like you. I'm like, oh, look at that. It sounds just like Adam. Uh, yeah, 11 days. You can do it. You know, one thing that he talked about that I really liked on this podcast, especially coming from like the stand-up point, which Brian does do some stand-up. I think I've seen him once. I don't think he does a ton, but he does do some stand-up. Right on. And he was saying the new um, iPhone watch... You can, if you put the phone and the watch in uh, airplane mode, it will record from both of them separately. And I think it either mixes them together or you have two two individual recordings. But from a stand-up point of view, he was saying if you put it on the stool, you've got um, the phone recording the audience for the laughter. And then you've got your watch right next to you recording your jokes like your audio oh shit yeah that's a great idea dude that would really change the setup for i mean that that's probably the main reason you don't get people just putting more of their regular sets on instagram or online because audio there's more well there's more production that has to go into it you have to set up better sound and i thought that was freaking awesome idea yeah man i don't have a damn iphone like a poor asshole so i can't even <laughs> start that dude do they do do they do watches for the android phones they must do i have no idea i don't i mean i don't even have it yeah i don't, I don't have a regular watch much less an i iphone watch or whatever the fuck it's called oh um you could get one for your phone though right you have iphone yeah absolutely i, I want that yeah. <laughs> I could, but no. I, I'm not going to. Yeah, they're expensive, but I did really like that idea. No, it's a great you know, idea. You could imagine if you're doing a ton of sets and you want to get, you want to capture a lot of what you're doing and post it. Exactly. I think that that would be awesome. Um, I read an interesting article, and you may have read this. I think it came out in the LA Times a couple of weeks, months ago. It was talking about recording at the comedy store, and because they're very, they're adamant, no video recording. They'll let the comics do audio, but no video recording of any kind and i always just thought it was like eh, you know you're in the comedy store they you know, trademark or whatever or they just wanted a policy but they were saying one of the reasons they don't is because they want the comics to feel completely free to do whatever they want say whatever they want in a safe environment without somebody recording it and it going viral and ruining their career which i thought was really interesting have you ever heard that's interesting have yeah. you heard that well um not that that was the official rule, but I knew that's why you can't record that. It's the same thing. What just happened with Louis with the um, what is it? The Parkland kids bit, right? Yeah. Um, because you know it was a new bit, and he was already kind of in the doghouse, <laughs> and he hadn't had yeah. time to really work it out. But it was very much a Louis bit, right? Oh, absolutely, I mean, it's exactly how he does his comedy, which is really you know what we've grown to love about him, but. When a joke is in its infancy, wait, infancy, infancy, yeah, it's it's clunky. Of course, everyone knows this. Or if you don't, you must. Like they don't just these amazing comics don't just immediately have a great 
story joke. No, they've got to work it. They workshop it. So it's it's awkward at first, and sometimes they've got to say some really fucked up shit just to kind of work through it, see what the response is. Yeah, see what is, the audience reaction you is. You kind of, yeah, you clean it up later because you're like, oh, I can't put that on my special. Fuck yeah. But it came out. Yeah. It, it came out. And especially those shows like Stand Up on the Spot. I mean, they're just grabbing for anything. Yeah, man. I mean, it's very important that it stays private for that room. And that's just a respect thing well, for the comics. Agree. Well, God and God knows how many times we've said something awful. And then we're like, oh, my God. That was terrible. I shouldn't have said that. Fuck. And it's like, oh, my God. I'm so, I'm the worst fucking human being ever. I'm sorry. Or something like that. And you, know, like, and you say to your friends, we're like, Jesus. Imagine that going to the world. And you'd be like, no, I... It was something dumb I said, and I immediately regretted it, and I'm sorry. It was just a dumb joke in the moment, but instead your career is ruined. Welcome. Yeah. I mean, I'm telling you, I've been to stand-up on the spot before, and sometimes, like, Joe likes to get pretty high when he does that show. Yeah, man. Because you, you get real creative. Like, it's scary, but you're creative. I can see it in the comics when they go up there. Like, uh, oftentimes, they are slightly more drunk than they would be. Right. With another kind of set, it's or maybe slightly, slightly high, yeah, because it's just a different world. So things come out that are probably coming out at a rate that the comedian hasn't even been able to put it together. Exactly. And oftentimes, I, I've heard some very funny things, but then even Joe has been like, "Whoa, shit! All right, well, scratch that." Exactly. Pretend I didn't say. It. I mean, it, it's nothing crazy. I mean, there's still it's still a reflection of like who they are. You know, so nothing really fucked up is coming out, but it's definitely pushing the limits, and it's definitely something that they would have toned down, and they do not need being released. Period. One hundred percent. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I think that's why people. Is it the Laugh Factory that films you? I think it is. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. Oftentimes, the bigger comics are not going over there because, you know, they they even were saying. That they don't film there anymore, but I think they still do. And it's like theirs. They own it, which is kind of crazy. It's, a little, it's uh, like, what? Yeah, I know. Well, they can use it on their Instagram and whatever to kind of get more people following them. And right, of course. Overall, you know, sell more tickets. But Exactly. It's, it's not going to work for these guys and gals that are... You know, big name comics. I don't think. I don't think so either. What do you think about that? Would you want somebody else owning your set and being able to post it? That, that's an issue. No, right? never. Not a, not one second. You don't like. No. Uh. Uh-uh. Uh. No. You don't get that. That's mine. That's not yours. And yeah. I wouldn't sign a contract. Well, I wouldn't sign a contract to uh, to the contrary. Like, no. You don't get the. You don't get my likeness without a major fee. Sorry. Especially if I'm a big comic, no, not a chance. Don't film me. No, yeah, you can you can promote my set as in like come see homeboy at the Laugh Factory, but you no, you can't you you can't own my set. You can't own video recording of my set. Forget it. Over. It's my intellectual property. You don't get it. Yeah, it's certainly strange for sure. Um, but hey, it's you know just like an old school thing. I mean, in a sense, it's like it's like. A surveillance thing it's like your privacy is your privacy and this is another thing brian talked about as well like he's very suspicious of like all the alexa stuff google home things yeah, webcams everywhere you know i my my buddy from england i was talking to him about it and he's just like and and my older brother said the same thing i don't know if this is like a general english mentality uh-huh. um but 
they're like, oh, it doesn't matter. You have all the information you want. I mean, I'm not doing anything wrong. But I think that they're missing the point. 100%. Maybe this is because I've become too Americanized and now I'm all about freedom. But it doesn't sound like freedom. It sounds like, you know, they, they just shouldn't have all this information. It does make me suspicious. It kind of makes me want to unplug my Alexa sometimes. Well, um, the, it also leads to the question, well, who decides you're not doing anything wrong? Maybe someone decides what you said is wrong. Like, you don't think you were doing anything wrong. You think you're doing everything above board. But somebody, you know, if somebody's listening and they don't think that, so they come back to fuck you somehow. Um, I know uh, attorneys have to turn their Alexas off when they're in client meetings because it records everything and they don't want client meetings. I mean, it's, it's, um, you know, it's protected. It's uh, lawyer patient confidentiality, whatever the fuck that's called. Um, yeah, they would have to turn that, turn that off. So uh, it's a risk. I don't want people recording my shit. You don't get, yeah, I don't really like it. Yeah. either. I don't worry about it too much though. I don't I either. Mean, I have them, right? I have them and I use them and I kind of, like the convenience. Um, I feel like with the podcast that I do, I put enough of myself out there and say enough stupid shit that's recorded anyway. So, oh, no, you say way but, worse. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't, I, I, I don't want to have to regulate what I'm saying or thinking because something might be recording me. I don't I, just like, no, I get to the, in the confines of my walls in my home, that's where I get to be free of anything. And it's not that I might not be doing anything illegal, but I'm probably doing a lot of shit that's embarrassing in this joint. Like I'm, I'm trying to sing Taylor Swift, Swift lyrics like I'm Robert Goulet and shit like that. I don't need that getting out. It's not illegal, but it's embarrassing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's... Uh, you know, I, here's the thing, the, the thing, the argument for them, though. Is like, okay, they may have all this data. Let's say they have it all, Mm -hmm. right? But how are they compiling it? And are they keeping it? Like, do they keep everything for months? Or do they have a record of you for the last two days? And then they write over that. I mean, they don't have an infinite amount of storage. And if it's 24 hours listening to you, and every single one of them is doing that, it's like how are they Oh totally how are they archiving it oh, all? Oh yeah, no. You know, but I but I, I think it's just the the point and the beginning of it. And Agree. it's it's a dialogue we should consider because when these devices get more advanced and data storage gets much cheaper, who knows how they'll start compiling this information. Right. Well, statistically it's very unlikely that they're gonna even that if it is compiled and stored the worst conspiracy theories you can imagine still statistically it's very unlikely that they would even come across anything you're doing i don't want them to have the option that's where i am true i don't want you to have the option until you get a fucking warrant (laughs) there you go yeah you know brian and joe were talking about how they have started calling people more right because texting was like everything for a while and you know you and i do this podcast and we do it over a phone call Mm -hmm. most of the time we rarely will um be in the same place just because where we live and work right uh and it's a phone call i'm talking with my buddy i i forget a lot of the times that i'm in a sense doing a podcast like we both love talking about joe rogan and what happened on the podcast 
Like, what was their conversation about? It's cool to just kind of go over. We just spent three hours or how many hours listening to it. So, three. you know, two bodies get into it. It's like a, a good excuse to have a chat. We're not texting about it. Exactly. But then also the advantage with tech, with calling that I'm finding is like, it's a better connection, right? It's Yeah. It's more real than just texting each other. That means it's kind of nothing. It's just like a bit of you know yeah, reading exactly but we get to cover a lot more right 100 percent. yeah there's no record of it too now texting is a paper trail not saying that but it, if we're talking about privacy they, they're not recording the whole conversation i mean we obviously are it's now a podcast but right. generally the it, you just get to talk about whatever and there's no record of it so calling needs to come back we need to we need uh, to get away from texting. Agree. I hate texting. Yeah, just save it for people you actually don't want to talk to, which is a lot of people. Exactly. So I think that's the whole point. People collect friends, but they're not really close to them. So I'll just text you, kind of thing. Like, yeah, I'd rather just. It's, it's nice from some people too because you can. You got time to think about what they want you to do, right? You know, mm. like if they're asking for something and you're just like, "Fuck." I can't do that now. Right. But you can just leave them or like you've got 10 minutes to think of an excuse. But if they call you, they might put you on the spot. Right. And then you're like, they're like, what are you doing? You're like, nothing. They're like, great. Can you help me move? You're fuck. Like, fuck. <laughs> Should have thought about that. Yeah. Versus, well, most people don't call and ask because they're chicken shits and they, they want to be like, oh, I don't want to hear the, I don't want to be disappointed. So I'll just do it over text. <laughs> That's how I do it. <laughs> exactly. That's it. I pick my moments of bravery, and they're generally not on the phone. (laughs) What did you think about towards the end of the podcast when they were talking about the homeless issue in Santa Monica or in L.A. as a whole? Like, they mentioned that there's 60,000 homeless people. I couldn't believe that when they said that. Sounds right, yeah. I I assume they're right. I think they Googled it. But that's a fucking lot of people. I think Los Angeles has the um, fewest amount of shelters per Home, uh, like thousand homeless people because like new york has a has even more but they have way more shelters and places to go well obviously because it gets fucking sub-zero there several months out of the year people are going to die of exposure um yeah yeah you're not going to die of exposure here generally not generally not i mean get burnt in a fire i guess yeah i mean the beach in santa monica if you're going to be homeless i guess that's there could be worse places than the fucking beach by the ocean um I, th- I think that's why so many people come I think here. so. It's got to be, right? It, I mean, dude, it's an absolute fucking problem, don't you think? Well, I don't go too far often. Yeah. Like, I'll go t- to your house once a week, maybe, or once every other week. I mostly stay in Santa Monica. Uh-huh. Venice has always been the same. There's always been just a ton of homeless people down there. Yeah. They are creeping into Santa Monica, for sure. We're seeing them more and more around the boardwalk and the pier and our work. And there was a brutal fight between two homeless guys the other day at work. Was that right? Just slugging at each other. I mean, this is like seven in the morning. Jesus. It's like, how can you be that mad at that time? Uh, they're they're always operating but, at it. You know, you, you do see that change, but it's not like I'm going down to, uh, what do they call that area? Tent City or whatever it yeah, is? Yeah, Skid Row. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I've been down there. Or been past there once. I have once. Ever. Once was enough. But you see them under the bridges. 
you know, there, there, there's just a lot. I mean, what can be done? I feel bad. It's like, I don't want people to have to struggle like that. I know. And, but Jesus, well, most, what are you supposed to do? I mean, most have severe mental health problems, whether they're, they have PTSD and they numb themselves with drugs, alcohol, or they're schizophrenic. And they're just on their own because they're schizophrenic. Either way, I mean, I feel like uh, I feel like there's got to be there's definitely a better solution than what we got right now, don't you think? I don't think that there's like a very easy there isn't an easy process to it's get not. like one of the easiest things to do to stop them coming in your bar without insulting them too much. Yeah. Like basically, you're profiling if you say you can't come in because clearly they you can see that they're a homeless right. person, right? Mm-hmm. Or like closer like raggedy yeah but that's not really that's discrimination in a sense i mean but if you just say let me see your id yeah because none of them have it none they've of them all lost it. their wallet they've all lost their id they don't have all the shit you need to go get another one and that really plays into the fact that they can't go get a fucking job you can't do anything without an id no. you can't yeah. open a bank account i mean so where do you even start from so the, you know and this is if it was you and i it would be a a trouble like a, a pain in the ass right we'd have to sit there and go okay right we need to get state issue id somehow by using fingerprints or whatever i mean the you know we'd have to think it through yeah but then when you add a really bad drug problem and a bunch of mental illness how the fuck are they gonna figure it out like no one's there helping them out no no help and it sucks because i remember last year because i live in sherman oaks california and there was there's been talk about building homeless shelters nearby you know because we're starting to have our own homeless problem up here sherman oaks is not the preferred destination for a lot of people so it's just a suburb but they are i mean we are starting to see more and more homeless people we'll see tents set up and things like that and one of the uh, discussions was building a homeless shelter someplace for these folks to go um to be safe to be taken care of um and there was a huge pushback because nobody wanted it in this neighborhood none Nobody wanted it. And, of course, it was all the property owners and all the people that pay yeah. property taxes. It's like, no, my nice waspy neighborhood. Don't ruin it with a homeless shelter nearby. Like, yeah, I want to help people, but not really. And <laughs> it was... It, it was... It sounds like you were... It was up. It sounds like you were pro-homeless I'm, shelter. Yeah, I'm pro-helping people. And I'm like... do they? Does it statistically help all that much? And that sounds like a stupid question. Like, obviously, some people use it. But I heard that a lot of these... People don't even go there anyway. They don't want yeah, to. Yeah, I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, I wish I did, but yeah, I, I don't know. Well, again, know. a lot I mean, of them they definitely need somehow. A lot of them have mental health issues, and they're they're um, again they're schiz- most of them are schizophrenic. That's a huge. I mean, that's just how many times do you see them talking to, to themselves. That's schizophrenia. Oh, all they of need them. mental health. They need to be. I mean, really, if you really want to pinpoint it, you got to go back to the seventies and early eighties when state mental health facilities were defunded and closed and a lot of them were just released and there's just really never been a solution past that it's a lot of band-aids on an open wound kind of thing if you really want to get real with it you have to get people that are really mentally ill schizophrenic and you have to treat them and you have to make sure they're staying treat. that's the best way to help them but it's very difficult to take somebody against their will to, and like pump drugs, antipsychotics in them. So it's just this, it's a very difficult situation. Yeah, I think that's the key. It's incredibly that, difficult. That people shouldn't forget, regardless of what side of this argument they're on. Because 
getting them to cooperate is difficult. Very. We're talking about, you know, often deeply disturbed individuals yeah. that are very suspicious and super paranoid. And then you want to give them medication. They're not going to oh, take God, that Oh, God, no. It's going to be a mess. Even if they do, they start feeling better and they go off it. Happens all the time. Yeah. Happens all the time. Well, these guys didn't have much of a solution either. But it, but it, I think it's good when he talks about it, it when Joe brings it up. You know, because he, he doesn't. He doesn't want people to struggle like this, and he just points out what's happening. And, and the L.A. area is, you know, it's a huge example and crazy experiment in what happens when you have a fuck ton of homeless people. Yep. And we're going we're gonna to see what happens, and something will need to happen. It, it was great, as always, having Brian on. I always like him. The conversations are always ridiculous and silly. Brian says, uh, you know, a lot of silly, stupid shit, right. but he doesn't give a fuck. And as the co-creator of it, you know, it's always it's always nice to hear them like hook back up and it's old school and have a chat. I gave this one a seven out of ten. I I, I enjoy Brian. He's great. Awesome. Yep. Podcast thirteen sixty five, Cameron Haynes, the man, the legend, who is uh Bow Hunter, extreme ultra marathon runner, general, super motivating dude if you follow him on Instagram. If you ever feel like you know, you're being lazy and you need to pick me up. He's kind of like a David Goggins type character. And uh, they they start the podcast off in a great way. They're talking about the responsibility of, of motivation. Yeah. And, and you know, the, both of these guys. I don't think it was like Joe's focus really ever to become like a motivating source. But right. just the way he speaks, he does it. And with that, he's kind of responsible um or, or at least they take responsibility in it they take it seriously right and it's important there are plenty of people out there that are not fucking motivated at all and they need anything they can to get going <laughs> we know plenty of those people yeah. i'm the same way yeah uh, do you get pumped do you ever look at anyone's instagram and say i should fucking pick myself you know up and get moving does anything like that resonate with you um no, it's it, if I look at someone's Instagram and I'm motivated to do better, it's a byproduct. Not, uh, it's not because of what they did. It's generally seeing people that aren't as talented as me doing better, and it's because they are work harder or more disciplined. That motivates me. But I once, oh, I got yeah, you. Okay, that's interesting. I once heard a great phrase, and I, I it's always stuck with me. Is like motivation is shit, discipline is everything. Because motivation fades, but discipline can remain because it's of your own doing and i always loved that setting goals i like that setting goals like i go to the gym like when i'm when i'm not reeling from back problems like i have been for the last two weeks i'm usually in the pool and i usually go tuesday thursday saturday that's a that's just i set a schedule i usually go about two in the afternoon one to two in the afternoon i set a schedule because that's important to me but that's discipline I make an appointment that I have to go because I can find a million reasons not to, but I discipline myself. Uh, the the girlfriend and I we have a calendar and we set goals for each other with consequences. And I don't feel particularly motivated, but it's discipline. It's saying this is due then, this is due then. Even making lists in some way helps me because it's not all scattered in the ether like what i need to do i can look at a specific list my girlfriend's way better at it than i am but i look at a specific list i'm like a b c d e f and g gotta get all this done that's what's due today 
like I'm accountable to no one but myself and sometimes my girlfriend because I have to buy her fried chicken if I don't meet my goals. But um, <laughs> but yeah, generally I'm only accountable to myself. But just having the list and knowing this is what I need to get done that helps me. So that's kind of how I deal with motivation. It's more discipline than anything. You hit on a good point because uh, lists really are where it is. It's like you can't start anything until you know what direction you're going. Yeah, and uh, I don't. I'm not good with it every day, uh, and I wish I was. I get. I don't know. I get like three or four days in a row, and then I, I've got everything done, and it's good. And then it's not that I get lazy, but I get uh, disinterested. No, like complacent. Sure. Like, oh, I'll still get everything done tomorrow, even if I don't make a list. Right. But then all of a sudden, I find out that I get way less done because I. I just haven't I don't I haven't written a lot of stuff down. That's why I like doing this podcast as well. Yeah. There is a discipline aspect of it. Like we need to organize this mm-hmm. and do it a few times a week and it helps with other things. It's true. You know, Jocko Willink says it. I even have one of his t shirts because I'm a big dork. And <laughs> it says discipline equals freedom. It's true. And it's true. I don't know. You're one of the most it's very true. You're one of the most disciplined guys I know though. I mean you're pretty I mean, you're pretty regimented with what you do for your week podcasts jujitsu time with the girl work like you pretty i mean you it seems like you have your week mapped out pretty specifically every time i see you or talk to you yeah it's pretty much the same that's why True. still so that's, that's okay i've practiced it a lot and got to it and you know i just know i feel better when i do a certain amount of things Root. i mean joe talks yeah. about this too he gives himself like what he's owed he owes this to the week, like so yeah. many yogas, so many this and that. And it is one of those things. It's like that will only benefit anyone. And it's great that he has that message. I never heard shit like that when I was in high school, not even college. I know. It was just like, study, make sure you study. No teachers were like, hey, make sure you also, you know, create a routine for fun things you like to do so you can balance this homework. It's true. Like, never. Routines are in so In the whole important. degree. Yeah, they didn't. They, they it needs to be talked about. I think it's very beneficial. And what's nice about it is, you know, there are people out there not getting shit done. They feel like shit because of it. Yeah. They, they and and they can apply this. It's not that difficult. And all of a sudden, you find yourself doing things you didn't really change a lot in your life. You're like, oh, I don't. I feel better, and I mean, it's not like I'm working that much harder. Yeah. I think it's more exhausting to not have a good routine because you never know what direction you're headed in. I um, I find nothing more satisfying than completing tasks, um, and a to do list. Like I just love it. So if I set a goal, like I'm gonna we're redoing our kitchen in a couple of weeks, and I'm gonna make some floating shelves and sand the uh, cabinets and blah 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 blah. But we're setting goals, we're setting dates for it, and completing that completion of these tasks is going to be so fulfilling i can't wait i mean i've been having a blast just coming up with it but task completion finishing your to-do lists it's such a great high i love it yeah and i think so much of it too you see this great discipline with hunters like have to cameron haynes and others especially bow hunters because it's it's one of those sports that requires so much of you. You've got to take a week off yeah. every year. You got to sign up for these hunts. You got to get over there, set up camp. You know, you're hiking all day. You've got to be prepared all for this one shot. And at best, if you get it, you know, you get a bull elk down. Then you've got to you, you got to quarter that bitch and carry it out. 
and then prep all that meat and get it to your freezer and then that's it you got great food for you and your family as organic as you can imagine and as free range as it gets but i mean there's there's a ton of discipline in there it's like you could be the most naturally born amazing hunter ever you could be like the hawkeye of people just able to shoot anything right. but that's not enough when it comes to um going bow hunting yeah man like there, there's so much more that goes into just the one shot though the one shot is very, it's important. very important Ta- well, but you got to have it talent never now. enough talent is never enough Steph, you think Steph Curry no. ju- just shows up at games and shoots threes? He's dude's immensely talented, but the dude r- practices four fucking hours a day, shoots like you know thousand three pointers or some shit like that every fucking day. That's one of the reasons he's so fucking good. It's the same thing. That level of obsession too. It's that's why they're the best. You know, th- I guess that's one thing that I I don't feel like I'm all that obsessed about something and joe talks about this a lot you know cameron haynes is super obsessed you can't run 200 miles in an ultra marathon without being incredibly obsessed Obsessed. no you can't i wonder if that's like if you can build it or you're just born with obsession or even how to define it it's a great question obsession to me sounds like something you can't even stop yourself doing i know creatively when i'm writing um whether it's jokes or sets or scripts um if i get an idea that i'm working on i will become obsessed with it and like i'm working on something right now and i'm pretty obsessed with it and it's not gonna go away until i get it out of me like i have to get it finished i have to get or i'll just stay obsessed i mean i've st- i've had stories i was working on years ago that they'll p- prop up they'll crop back into my brain and I will be obsessed on it for six to eight weeks until I work out whatever problem I have and blah, 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 blah. I mean, that's how I write. I'll incubate on stories for years, but I have these periods of, of obsession. Something sparked in me, and that is what I work on. That's the only time, really. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess that it's somewhat similar to me. I'll get bouts of it where I'm like really into something and, and really go for it. Sometimes I feel like I go in too many directions, though. You know? Gotcha. It's like when you're doing, you know, you do your stand-up, you do your writing, you've got your job, you do your podcast, you do hang out with your girlfriend, then you've got your friends, and jujitsu. it's like, hold on, what do I, how do I even get obsessed with one of these <laughs> things? I just, try and do, I just try and do it all, is what I try and do. Right. That's my best that I can, you know, and may, maybe that's it. Maybe I just don't get obsessed. But I'm a little jealous of people that say it. Like, they're like, oh, I'm obsessed with it. And then you see them getting good. And it's like, True. fuck. I, you see it in jiu-jitsu for sure. There are guys that straight up pass me up. No problem. Interesting. So, well, yeah, because they just go so much True. more. They, like, truly are obsessed. And they, they're going to well, uh, learn it faster. I, but I'm like, fuck, I don't have time I for I think this. you put, hit the nail on the head, though. You got a, you got a little, a lot of pots on the burners. You know what I mean? You've got a lot of things going on. And that's okay, too. Like, you don't have to be completely obsessed about one thing. You can you can spread yourself a little bit. I think it's okay. Yeah. There's more than one way to... Yeah, you gotta... There's more than one... Yeah, to run 200 miles in a fucking ultra marathon. Yeah, you're gonna have to be obsessed. You, you just are. But, you know, I've met plenty of successful people who weren't obsessed. They were just, you know, they were disciplined and good. 
Well, there's another angle to this as well, and Joe hits on it in this podcast when he's talking to Cameron. He always gets to find the best teachers. Yeah. So you look at Joe Rogan's jiu-jitsu, and I train with Anato, who's cousins with uh, Jean-Jacques, who teaches Joe Rogan. Well, what Joe's done is he's gone and found the best people to train under. So in a sense, if you take obsession out of it, but just put the work in, you're already round the best people. Right. And you see a parallel with Joe. He's always wanted to talk to the smartest humans, even though he can't understand high-level physics or at least do any of the math on it. But he, he loves it. He wants to sit there and, and be, you know, these are often professors at Harvard sure. or just people that have done TED Talks. I mean, they're good at passing their knowledge. And he puts himself right in the way and brings it to everyone else. A lot of people that would have never taken the time to bother to listen to an economist and a physicist and a whatever and a politician. And it's it's a good way of doing it. And then you've got Cameron Haynes, right. an incredible bow hunter. He's a master. He's one of the best guys in the country. I Maybe. I don't know that for sure, but he's up there. And Joe has been able to train with him exclusively they've become very good friends i mean his learning curve then is so much steeper right um but more effective you know he's probably learned 10 years worth of bow hunting in four yeah maybe more and you know you add his discipline and a little bit of obsession to it but it's almost like you don't even need to be that obsessed then if you've got the very best people teaching you you know you'll go you're gonna learn shit real fast true well uh scott frank who wrote uh, the movie Minority Report, Get Shorty, Out of Sight, a couple other things. Really great fucking writer um, and director. And I, I saw him at uh, some conference once. And they asked him what was one of his keys to success. And he said, always be the dumbest guy in the room. He goes, surround yourself with people that are smarter and then shut the fuck up and listen to them. And I was like, well, that is hitting the nail on the head if I've ever heard it before. Like, no pretense. Just That's like, great, sh- isn't it? Yeah. He's like, be the dumbest guy in the room, then shut the fuck up and listen. I loved it. Yeah. The, di- the difficult thing is getting in that room true. if you are the dumbest guy. True, true, true. Because how did you get in there if you don't, like, what's your value? Well, he is pretty so, good. I mean, it's easy for Scott Frank to say because he's pretty damn smart. So he can, there's not going to be a lot of people that are much smarter than him. But, um, yeah. But, but, it, but it, is a, it is a great point. He's saying... You know, get around people that that you, you can at learn least from. Feel as smarter and and try and create some value so that you can stay in that room. I mean, for Joe, he was famous, true, and his podcast was getting big, and and he's very likable. People are very surprised, I think, when they talk to him. At least early on, before the podcast was so massive, they were like, "Oh, this meathead, the fucking fear factor <laughs> guy." Yeah. But then they, but then they're like, "Wow, he's a great conversationalist. Actually, very nice. Uh, he's very curious. He doesn't show off, and like, he's not." Like, oh, I'm so fucking awesome all the time. He just wanted to know. He listened. He wants to learn. He's curious. I mean, he was friends with Neil deGrasse Tyson very early on in the making of this podcast. And it was kind of before Neil deGrasse was like a big TV, like science celebrity. But he was just bigger in the science world. But, you know, they they had like a connection of of understanding. And you know who Neil deGrasse is hanging out with, the smartest fucking people in the world. Absolutely. I find but they can have good conversations. Yeah, I find curiosity to be one of the best attributes a human can have because it it implies I don't know everything, but I'm I want to learn. I love it. I love curiosity. 
in terms of like education, yeah. things like that. Not in like getting up in my business. Like, what did she say about you? Like, fuck that. But, like, right. but curiosity is a great attribute to have. Well, what I liked about the way they ended this podcast, and again, it was it was why it's such a good one because they're such good friends. Is they they talked about what keeps them doing so well, and it's like right after the as success, right that you take down a, a bull while bow hunting, or you've just had a big comedy show, or he's just done something really important, like finished his special, right? Right, Joe's finished the stand up special. He immediately wants to get back to work, and he says, it's because I'm not a big fan of me. Ah. And that's where the motivation of work comes from. He doesn't sit there just going, I'm fucking awesome. Look how great I am. I did all this. I'm so good. He just says, you know what? I can do better, and I need to keep working at this. And he gets straight back to it. And I love that because I think we're all fighting for that moment where we're like, yeah, we're finally there. We're finally the best. We finally did great. Right. But it, it can't stop there. You can't just, like, retire. You know, you can't George Costanza the joke and be like, okay, I'm out. No. That's it. I'm leaving. Conversely, if you get to the point where you're like, I'm the best, this is, you know, this is peak. Oh, you're in for a real big letdown the next time. Like, whatever you're doing. Yeah, it's it's a sloppy It's not going to be as fun. So just keep, you know. No. uh, A quest to better oneself is always as noble a quest as you can have, I think. Yeah. This was a good reflective motivating podcast and i liked it a lot i mean it always is with these two guys and they're best buddies and um you know they get a bit flowery with their friendship just constantly talking about how much they appreciate each other which is cool but slow it down right get a room boys well yeah get a room room. people give them a lot of shit for that but it's quite fine yeah right um but yeah it's a good one i give this a seven out of ten definitely worth a listen and if you're the kind of person that resonates with a podcast that kind of gets you pumped this this is definitely that type of one this is it for sure right on there we go thanks mark for joining me today and thanks everyone listening again follow us on the joe rogan experience review instagram and at gmail if you want to message us and tell us how we're doing and uh yeah get on itunes and give us a rating uh please five stars Yes, please we love that but uh it helps us out and it helps other people find us so Thanks, guys. Thank you, guys. Cheers.